Hello and welcome to Focus on Fantasy Romance, episode number 19, a podcast where we discuss books, genre, industry, and our geeky lives. I'm Al Klaus, your host. I am joined today by A.R. DeClerc. Hello. And Paulina Woods, who's waving. And today we're doing book chat. We are discussing Stars Across Time by Ruby Lyons Drake. This is a sci-fi dystopian romance and Amy has agreed to read the blurb because I am rubbish at it. Amy? Okay. <clears throat> Can love take root in the cracks of time? Air Force pilot Andromeda Andy Kim dreams of being chosen to join NASA so she can go to space. Instead, she's stolen by savage kidnappers from a dystopian future where fertile women are needed for breeding purposes. One of her kidnappers, a man named Mace, goes out of his way to protect her from the other slavers, but she's not about to trust him. All she wants is to escape and find a way back to her time before she's sold as a broodstock and stuck in this ruined world forever. Colonel Aloysius Mace Theron of the Cascadian Alliance is a battlefield commander, not a spy, but after 20 years of service, he's also trusted by his superiors. That's why when they choose him for a top-secret mission to inf infiltrate an organization of thieves using a time machine to plunder the past. He's supposed to find and destroy the machine, not fall in love with one of the captives, but Andy is as much of a fighter as he is, and he's drawn to her from the beginning. Yet, if he fights too hard to protect her, his identity will be discovered and his mission will fail, leaving criminals to terrorize the past, perhaps irrevocably changing the history and endangering everyone he knows and loves. So, I finished this book literally 15 minutes before we started recording our podcast. Because <laughs> I got busy and had to change my tires and lost a bunch of reading time. Anyway, um, I've read a few of Ruby Lyons Drake's books. I've read her fantasy romance, which of course I'm drawing a blank on. Um, and I think a couple of her Mandrake Company ones. Dragon Bond is the fantasy romance. Oh, and Frost Station Alpha. Um, so I'm not. I'm very familiar with uh, Ruby's work, and I think this is one of her earlier titles. And this is also actually a second pen name for her. So she also writes, I think, traditional science fiction and traditional uh, fantasy under another pen name. Uh, so I knew what I was getting into, and I overall impression of the book is I really, really liked it. Um, although at the beginning I had a hard time kind of relating to the characters. And I think that was due to the fact that they were kidnapping women and the implications of using them as broodstock. I didn't really like that. I mean, the story worked for me, but I, I just think the subject matter was not my cup of tea and there's nothing wrong with that. I really liked Andy. Uh, it took a little while for me to warm up to Andy um, because I don't know. I just I didn't start getting really into the the romance. I didn't believe the romance was functioning the way that it should until uh, you know spoilers. Uh, like halfway through, when they were actually no longer in the situation of one being the kidnapper and one being in the kidnappee. I. I had a hard time believing that they could be attracted to each other when there was that kind of dynamic going on. But once that was done and they were actually able to flirt and get to know one another, I really liked, uh, well, he goes by Theron in the book, doesn't actually like his name, but I like the dynamic between Theron and Andy because they have a lot of um, 
sarcastic banter. And if you really know me very well, you know that I'm really sarcastic and it's kind of the way that I talk with my husband. And it was just really, really witty. Um, but Amy, did you have the same problem like at the beginning where you're just kind of like, I can't really believe that they would be attracted to one another in this situation? I don't know. I just had a, a disconnect there. Um, I'll be 100% honest. <clears throat> I bought this book about a year ago <clears throat> and I actually started reading it. <clears throat> and then for some reason I did not finish it. And I think it was that reason. I think I was in the beginning stages of the book. I got to, you know, up to <clears throat> what was happening with Andy and, and Mace as he went by at that point. Um, and the women and I really wasn't feeling it. So I kind of put it off to the side. And then when we were discussing books to read for the podcast, um, I happened to see it and I'm like, Oh, I read the <laughs> blurb again. And I'd actually forgotten that I even started it. And I'm like, let's do this one. So we agreed to do it. As soon as I picked it up and I started going through it again, I'm like, Oh, I, I think I read this already. Um, and yes, I, I felt like, um, Andy was a little bit abrasive. And, um, I felt like there was a disconnect. I didn't feel like a romance would have naturally blossomed in this situation where, you know, you could be raped or murdered at any moment. Um, they were treated pretty poorly for, you know, like a hot commodity item, which women were in this future time. Um, you know, like the population's so low and they need women, you know, healthy women and childbearing women. And yet they basically treated them kind of crappy um, for somebody that they needed so badly. Um, and I, I wondered very early on, I'm like, okay, so one of these guys is obviously not the bad guy. When he started protecting them, you, you kind of figure out who it is. But yeah, I, I, um, I, I felt like I would not have believed it if this was like a, genuine scenario well then so when we get to the point where uh spoilers they're separated and he's gone on to back to his uh fort or wherever and she's trying to make her way to find him <clears throat> she's been separated from the other women um at that point the book started to pick up momentum for me and i'm like oh she's gonna see him again um and I, she did have a very reluctant attraction to him. She's like, no, 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 I'm going back to my time. Why do I like this guy? He, you know, I don't understand. He's, you know, but she kept saying he's out of my league. And I'm like, he's a basically a barbarian kidnapper slash spy. Like, how can he be out of your league, you know? Um, but she had all these kind of like down on herself thoughts about this guy not liking her back and oh that's just silly for me to like him and that kind of bugged me a little bit about her too because on the other hand she's an extremely capable extremely um strong woman who's done a lot of things um it's five o'clock somewhere she um she's done a lot of things to make it in a quote-unquote man's world um and they made that very clear at the beginning of the book when they're talking about all of her accomplishments and her dreams and what she wants to do but at the same time, she has these really like down on herself thoughts about he's not, you know, oh, this guy's, you know, out of my league. You, I, we can't be together. I don't, you know. And then as things roll along, they do have a very nice banter with one another. They do have a very natural um, relationship. It kind of falls into rhythm with each other, which I like because kind of like that's how you are with people that 
you know you kind of belong with because it's not a struggle. You don't have to try really hard to, um, you know, be your, and you, you can be yourself around that person. So I liked that. And um, I thought she did a really good job with the male point of view. Um, in the very few parts of the book where it's from Theron's point of view, um, she did a really good job because she made him kind of nervous and she made him a little bit worried because, you know, Andy does come across as so strong-willed and so um, different than a lot of the women that he knows in this time. And mm -hmm. so it's just, sorry, kids over here, um, trying to show me stuff. But uh, I, I felt like they had a really natural kind of romance that progressed from that point on, and I was pretty happy with it. I was dissatisfied with the ending. I thought it was trite and overdone, and um, it had no surprise for me because I knew exactly what was going to happen. Um, and I like surprises. I didn't feel like it was a twist. I felt like she thought it might be a twist, but it wasn't a twist because you just knew it was going to happen. Well, to be fair, she couldn't call it a romance if they didn't end up together somehow. I wanted them to end up together. However, I wanted them to end up in a more ingenious way than spoilers what happened he showed up on her doorstep in the past blah 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 i wanted it to be a bit more creative than that she did um she built a good base solid base for the reader to expect that to happen though because you know he says i want you to stay with me and his general says absolutely not we can't keep her here it might affect you know if we change the past it changes the present blah 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 um so I'm like, okay, so if they're going to be together, he's going to have to go back to the past. But I was kind of hoping for a bit more of a bang um, because he showed up on her doorstep. She says, oh, there you are. Where you been? They go inside and knock boots. So literally, like, it, it was a little bit of a letdown for me because you had this kind of, like, rushing up, you know, high-octane um, kidnap. Then you had a little bit of a, a nice plateau where they got to know each other and they had their little relationship. And then you had some more high octane energy adventure stuff. And then, you know, they had it. She had a really good sex scene, I thought, um, on the roof of his house um, in the fort. I thought that that was pretty good. She did a pretty good job. It was it was a little, you know, it wasn't cookie cutter. And then, um, and then I just felt let down at the end by. So I wasn't surprised. I wanted to be surprised. I don't know. I felt what, and I kind of felt like they gave it away when they said she was going to have a son. Because I'm like. Well, they also never mentioned who the father of her son was. I kind of thought it was obvious. But then again, maybe it's just because you hope that he's the father. Of the son. I thought maybe she was going to get to back to her time and find out she was pregnant. Mm, and There was know, a point where they mentioned she has an um, IUD. Yeah. 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 Which I actually had a problem with that because at least where I live, it's hard to get an IUD if you haven't already had children. They don't like to do that for women who haven't had babies yet because it's harder to put in, but whatever. That's just me. Yeah. Um, there was a couple of things that kind of irritated me. I'll be honest with you. Um, I felt like there was a lack of, and, and this is a huge problem for me when I write, so I can't say, I can't say anything about it, but um, I'm, the, I am in the opposite direction though. There's a huge lack of 
interesting secondary characters in the book, to my opinion. I mean, it focuses a whole lot on Mace or on Theron and Andy, which is good. They're the main characters. They're supposed to be focused on, yes. But everybody else is kind of glanced over. Even the villains aren't really that villainous. I mean, I, I just... I, yeah, there, there was a little more development with um, Minji. I'm probably pronouncing her name wrong. Um, but I don't... Because it, the, the author limits herself to the perspective of just the, the male and female main character. I don't see how they could have developed side characters more without pandering. Um, but I will say I do like that the author, at least in every book that I've read, she doesn't just throw in female characters to be competition or catty or... Right. There really was no, like, love triangle. It was, this is the guy I'm interested in, this is the chick I'm interested in, headlong toward each other with, you know, the only um, problem with the relationship were outside forces, not necessarily trying to pull them apart, but, you know, just circumstances of the fact that she belonged in the past and he belonged in what was her future, their present, um, you know, there wasn't really a whole lot of, I don't know. Okay. So like, I liked Minji. I thought she was good. I, I even liked the dorky little, um, Lieutenant guy that follows Theron around. Who's the camp historian, the fort historian Gideon. guy, Gideon. Yeah. I liked him too. Um, I would have liked to, seen a little more interaction maybe between like, well, I know like Andy and Minji were like split up for two thirds of the book. So there wasn't a whole lot of interaction to be had, but um, even between like Gideon and Theron uh, and that's asking a lot because for what the book was, I thought she did a really good job streamlining the plot so that she didn't go off on all those kind of tangents. You know what I mean? Yeah. She kept me kind of on a straight path, which I liked. Um, but I also felt a little bit lonely. I felt like they were a little bit isolated as characters. Um, but like I said, that's a problem for me because I like to turn every freaking secondary character into a main character and try to give them all, you know, like this kick-ass story that may or may not be needed. And that's... And that's to be fair, the, from the side character's point of view, they are the main character. So I can totally understand understand doing that. But every, every Ruby Lion's Drake book that I've read has been very sequential and limited to the hero and heroine's point of view. And it's, everyone I've read has been, the couple is thrown into a very, like, high stress, almost traumatic situation, and they grow together due to the craziness going on. Um, but yeah, there's not a lot of internal struggle, like, that I was able to detect. Like you said that, uh, Andy had like a moment of insecurity when she saw uh, Theron with, you know, clean shaven and cut and, you know, and I really liked that, that interaction. I liked her reaction to seeing him for the first time that he was, you know, cleaned up and super clean cute. And yeah. it is like uniform and you're like, oh, a man in uniform. Okay. Right. But then the <laughs> insecurity was there for five seconds and it was gone and right. Andy was back to being her badass soldier self. And that's fine if that's her character, but like, if, if she is a badass soldier who has self-doubt, it kind of needs to play through the whole right. character it's, arc. It is, it is a, her struggles are very, her conflicts are very external. You're right about that. Her character, well, and I, 
it is possible that I have read other books by her. My thought is that I have some on my to-be-read that I have not gotten to yet, so this might be the first one, because I have a giant pile of books that I just keep collecting, and then... If you have Frost Alpha... St Alpha Frost Station Alpha. Frost Station I Alpha. I, it's, I think she wrote it as a serial, and then you can buy the whole thing in one lump, but I really like that one. That one got me more in the feels than this one did. That's you know what, what I was mean? missing, though. You're right, though. I really missed that, like, epic feel moment where I'm one of those... I'm so bad because if I don't cry to me or laugh out loud, to me, it has not touched me. It either didn't touch my phony bone or it didn't hit me, and you know. So I didn't feel like there was those epic, epic feel moments where, like, oh, my God, I need a tissue. There's a couple of authors that, like, I can't even go back and ever read that book again because it literally like you know tore me up but ugly cry ugly cry ugly like bad but this was i mean it was good it was cute i felt it was a little bit heartwarming um but that i think that was what it was missing i really do i think it was missing that like that hits you in the gut kind of feely touchy feely moment that um you know you get sometimes and not all and and I and a lot of times too, if you have SF, if you have science fiction, a lot of times, and this is science fiction dystopian um, kind of mix, but a lot of times when you have adventure romance too, because I love adventure romance, that's my jam, but when you have that, sometimes the adventure can get in the way of those epic feel moments because, you know, you've got those plot lines you have to catch and you've got those bad guys you've got to kick ass and, you you know, you've got all those things that you have to do along the way. You kind of lose those epic feels that you can put in there. So I know right. that SF is harder sometimes to inject those um, into. So, but overall, I think generally I enjoyed the book. I haven't finished a book in probably, probably since last book chat, probably, because I start them, they don't catch me, I put it away, I say I'll finish that later, and I don't go back to it. Sorry, authors. Um, <laughs> I bought it, so you get your royalties. I don't know. Hopefully I'll finish it, hopefully I'll review it for you, but sometimes, I mean, like, it's got to hook me. This one, I, even though it was kind of almost like a half reread, it did keep me going till the end. So I was interested to find out what happened. I did want to see them get back together, and I want to know how, so... That I have to say is a big plus. I, I um, the author uh, does a podcast under her sci-fi sci fantasy name, and she's mentioned the book and how um, she's stuck it in the time travel romance genre. But apparently, people aren't interested in people jumping forward in time to a dystopian future. They want more jumping back to a medieval setting or Vikings or Highlanders specifically, because there's a huge, huge genre trope of women gets kicked back in time to, <laughs> and I think that's Outlander. funny. Yeah. Outlander is the big one, but we've also, we've done a book chat about Jesse Gage's um, wishing for Highlander. And that was really good. Yep, And it's one of like, there's probably literally thousands of Highlander. Oh yeah. Time yeah. Travel. But <laughs> she was saying that, like, if you notice at the end, they left it wide open for, she left it wide open for later books. There could be later books. There could be other romances between other couples. Um, you know, the foundations are there, but I don't think that she's ever going to write another one because 
people are looking for Highlander romances whenever they're talking about um, time travel romance. I'm like, yeah, I've never read I've never read a romance that was a time travel one where people got kicked forward. It's always been back in time. What right. is that noise? Can I say something here? Oh, um, yes. that might be me. Sorry. Hold on. My <laughs> daughter's playing Disney Infinity, and it's making this no. ding ding sound. So hold on. Yeah. Um, what, what's going on, Julia? Kind of on the point that you guys are talking about. The um, by the way, no, I did not read the book. I am fighting a migraine. I I'm in the dark. But um, what's it called? When you're talking about like going forward and backwards, I think the reason that a lot of women, when they read romance books and it's time travel and you're going forward in time, I mean backward in time, they kind of roll. They they look at that time as like this is when men knew how to treat women. You know, they're they're big strapping guys. They they work in the field, whereas now half the guys get manicure pedicures with us and get their eyebrows done, and maybe they're their look is in the future is our men going to go back to being manly like that or are they going to get even more for lack of better term sissy so maybe that's the problem with writing books that jump forward in time is that we can't see the men developing into alpha males again as they were in the back in the past alpha male is no longer man who can provide for his family out there fighting and a killed or Whatever else he's in with his biggest sword, instead he's a guy that goes to work nine to five and pushes paper and you, it's it's not as it's not as thrilling. Like honestly, if they did like a woman's from nineteen hundreds and she was pushed forward, can you imagine what the first thing she would say about our men? She'd be like, Send me home. You know? Maybe it's just the fact that I don't know. Maybe she'd like the right to vote, own property. Not oh. custody or children during divorce. Well, yeah, you I'm just offended. Talking. You just offended like a hundred thousand metrosexuals. Like with. Hold on, I'm talking about the men. I'm talking about the fact that she'll want to go back to the fact that her man was a man. I'm not talking about like the free to vote and all that stuff. Yeah, they're like that part. But in the end, a woman, most women, when they get into relationships, they you know they they don't want a guy who's more girly than they are. And we don't see our men developing into more manly men. The women are now stepping up and developing more manly personalities, if you can say that. If you, the only way to explain that, you know, like where we can do it ourselves. So I think we read, we want it, we want it then. There's a whole genre out there, though. What's up? For, for the beta male um, romance, which, you know, he's not, I mean, and that's what, I, like, for our short story anthology, my main character is not your typical alpha male. He's quintessentially the nice guy, and that whole, that whole thing about nice guys finish last and all of that stuff, you know, um, everybody's always like, a woman wants an alpha male. Sure she does, until she has him, until she has to put up with his ass, and then she don't want him no more. But that is where now, it becomes different. So you, there's this whole thing about like, you know, your alpha male's protective, and and always everybody goes on there what their good qualities are. But then there's also this other side to having an alpha male that for a lot of, especially a lot of women who live in the present day, they're going to grate against that, really hard against that 
overprotective, overbearing, I tell you when to breathe, I tell you how to wear your hair kind of thing that comes along with we're not even dating out beta males, though. If you think about it, in this day and age, I think we're dating, we're dating like just the normal, the normal male. Because even their beta males were <laughs> were more manly than some of the guys that you run across today. I think it depends but on I the definition just, of manly. Right. I yeah, think but I'm saying there is there is a, a male toxicity that perpetuates a lot of uh, violence towards females and males that don't add up or meet up to this hyper masculine ideal which is unrealistic it's like telling a, a woman who may not be as feminine as you think well you need to be more girly i'm like well no i can be however the fuck i want to be sorry and that's it's my right to exist the way that i want to exist so I'm, I'm gonna have to agree to disagree i i hate alpha holes like as as a character trope and as in real life like i couldn't stand them when I was dating, and I just wanted a guy that would treat me with respect and understand that I'm going to be the way that I'm going to be. I'm not. I'm going to belch and wear nail polish, and I'm going to. <laughs> I'm going to be an oxymoron of, of things that are masculine and feminine, and that's just the way that I am. But and, uh, I actually, I'm dating an alpha male, and he doesn't stifle me in any way. Like, he literally is. And like, if you met my boyfriend, you'd be like, holy... Yes, but like, your boyfriend might be an alpha male, but your boyfriend was born in the 20th century. He's never oh, he's lived in a else. time when, you know what I mean, women had no rights. He has grown up and has developed in his time where that has always been possible. But if you go back in time where a woman is nothing but property... And, you know, that's a whole different mindset for an alpha male of that time period versus an alpha male of this time period. It's completely okay, so different. And there's good and bad so in both kinds. Let's go back to the topic we were talking about then, okay? So, and futuristic and the reason she doesn't, you know, she probably won't write forward because nobody wants to read it. It comes back to the fact that, I Again, the reason people don't want to read forward is they don't see the male as developing into who they say. Like, no. people rather read Cyborg, which is, a, you know, they the Cyborg men still are almost a throwback to the past, whereas a, a male who, what is it called, kind of develops, like, you know, generations past, they're not going to be as... They're not going to be the ideal man that most women are think they look for. If that makes sense, it does. I'm going to so say that. It. I have read. Okay, so um, if you ever read anything by Kit Roca, um, and I don't know if you have, but it, her books are very good. They're more along the lines of like a dystopian biker romance, sort of. Really, like, basically, that's what I call dystopian biker erotica. Probably that's okay. Bikers are gonna be dirty and disgusting no, in that. No, that's the, different okay, though. So. This is different. It's it's a far future, uh, post-apocalypse. Um, you have the you know the haves who live in this the beautiful bright shining city, and you have the have-nots who live on the outside of the city in what used to be the suburbs, what you would call the burbs, but is now run by all these different gangs. And <laughs> first book that I ever read 
girl from the have side of town ends up uh, finding her way through a whole bunch of mischief into the have not side of town and she's being messed with by these people, you know, these other guys and the one biker guys comes in, you know, swoops in, saves her typical alpha male kind of thing. But the thing I was going to say about it is it's futuristic, but it gives you a very good view of why they are forced to be more alpha male in that time period, because there's no law, there's no government, you know, and so they, these gangs protect the poor people of their little, you know, their sections that they do. They protect their people. And yeah, you have some bad gangs and then, you know, you have some better, they're not any of them. None of them are actually good. They all deal drugs and, you know, sell sex and drugs and rock and roll and all that stuff. But, but mm. some are better than others, but it actually gives you a pretty good, like she does really well at describing the way it built up from like how men now are like real metrosexual because in the city in the haves city the men are all much more um refined and then you know when you go out to the outlying areas um the men are much more rugged and they have to be and she shows she does a really good juxtaposition between the two because girl's supposed to marry guy from the city is in love with guy from the outside and she really shows you how like they evolved over time into you know these two completely separate styles of guy and so the minute that you said that it made it my brain clicked over to those books because <clears throat> it's there it's a whole series of them and they they have some they're really really juicy so it's i mean it's probably like i'd say it's maybe r-rated maybe a little bit further maybe closer to x but i mean there's some kinky stuff that goes on i enjoyed the story no, i think i read one of those books i'm just thinking i probably have yeah but and and i was like oh you know i'm not a thing for biker romance but it was futuristic so i was like i'll give it a shot and it was i think it was free the first book in the series that i picked up and i actually enjoyed it a lot so i was like because she did a really good job of defining like the difference between and both of them were considered alpha males in their society one because of his power and privilege, the other because of his actual physical prowess. So it was like two totally different scenarios of what makes up an alpha male. So I was, and, and she basically at the end, you know, she's got to choose between do I keep my money, my wealth, my, you know, beautiful clothes, my gorgeous house, or do I go live with this guy? But I'm happy. So it was, it was really good. I, and I actually read, I think I read it all the way up till the she did a spin-off of the series and i haven't read any of those so it was interesting because each one of the bikers you know gets his love and it comes from different places so oh, it's interesting yeah it was very interesting so future future romance can be manly i just i'm like you said though i'm not I don't know what it is that makes people afraid of science fiction. The minute you start mentioning science fiction, a lot of romance writer readers are like, Oh no, no, no. Too much science for me. Yo, I'm out. Yep. That's probably exactly what it is. There's too much science or science. It's the, the genre or excuse me, the gender um, preconception that women are bad with science. So women don't want to read science fiction that thus they don't want to go to read science fiction romance, which is totally bullshit. 
I love I love science fiction romance. <laughs> I read a lot. I've been reading a lot of it actually lately. But that that might be it, or they're just worried that it's going to get too technical, like hard sci-fi, which is a genre within sci-fi. Is hard sci-fi where it's very it is actually very based in science, right? And you know, a lot of science fiction romances that I've read, they have they have the science in it that makes sense to me, but I'm not going to go fact check them. <laughs> and but and you have you know sometimes you'll get a sci-fi reader who picks up a sci-fi romance, and then you know you're getting an email about how your ship wasn't going enough parsecs per second to get that far in the galaxy at that time, and you're like, okay, so. You know, but you know that that's because you have people who are more interested in the science. Some people are science-based. Some people are more interested in the feels part. And then, mm -hmm. you know, you have people like me who I enjoy the science and I enjoy the feels too. So I want both right. of my stories. So, you know, you're, you're never going to be able to please every single reader every time. The best thing you can do is try to just walk the middle road. When you're doing something like sci-fi romance, you just try to stay in your little path. Whatever. I go all around. over the place. I don't color inside the lines either, but um, yeah, you know, I don't have enough readers to worry about it right now. I guess later on, if more people read me, then it might be a problem. But for right now, it's fine. <laughs> well, the great thing about science is um, that it can change. There's a lot of things that are just theories that have been. There's things that are being disproven and proven every day. Uh, so, what was hard sci-fi ten years ago? Now we know isn't true. So. Even then, even with you get these hardcore sci-fi people that are like, oh, well, it's XYZ because X theory and blah, blah, science. Blah, blah. Well, nope. Ten years, we'll figure out it's something else. Right. You know, just like so. when you write a book about parallel universes and, you know, ten years ago, somebody would have told you that's not possible. Now they're going to tell you, oh, yeah, bubble universe theory, multiverse yeah. theory. You yeah, know, those yeah. things are, you know, actual, you know, science that's being studied by actual scientists in labs so you know things like that are and a lot of times you know i wonder how many scientists read something in a sci-fi book and go whoa i wonder if that's possible let me go check that out <laughs> there's actually um people trying to invent uh like tricorders and medical devices seen in star trek uh, there's someone's trying to make a lightsaber that actually functions as a lightsaber does in star wars Cloaking so yeah devices. there's yeah, for sure. So there's a lot of sci-fi that is affecting the where where science is going. So yeah, totally. And I like how the get back to the book we were trying to review. <laughs> I like how the author did set the dystopian world in kind of in the same path as we are actually going. Um, I don't know about the birth defects, but she talked about heavy metals. Um, causing the birth rates to lower um, environmental problems, running out of gas. Um, yeah, so it's we could totally end up there in a few centuries or less, depending on how reasons. things go. Yeah, I don't want to get into politics. But, um, yeah, I, I, I basically said everything I wanted to say. I do recommend any of Ruby's books if you, if you don't want a... Uh, time-traveling dystopian romance, like I said, Alpha Frost Station, or whichever one had Alpha Frost Station in the title, I recommend that one. I like Dragon Bond, which is the fantasy romance one. Did you have anything to add? Uh, no, I enjoyed the book. I, uh, I like her style. 
Um, I think mm -hmm. she writes really crisp and she writes things really clear. She doesn't go off on a lot of tangents and um, describe, you know, like five different paragraphs about the way the dirt looks or anything like that. So I really enjoyed that. I thought the plot was really good. It was a good um, fast moving plot. It kept me interested. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, I'd read more of her stuff and I, I don't uh, have anything particularly terrible to say about it. I just, I had wished for a bigger bang at the end, maybe. Okay. Well, that was probably had in the bedroom where it was off the page. Yep, the big bang took place off <laughs> camera. So. Okay, so I will have links uh, to everything that we mentioned in the podcast uh, down below. Um, next week, we are doing an interview with Kim from Paranormally Yo Yours, and she is a book blogger, so we will speak to her and see how things work for the book bloggers. Uh, thank you for joining us. If you liked the podcast, please comment, like, and share. This has been episode 19. Good night. Good night.